Welcome to the chase. The Chiefs is a White Arc podcast aimed at specifically giving you an insight into what makes great leaders and entrepreneurs in a variety of organisations tick. We call them Chiefs. My name is James Chuffatelli and together with my White Arc co-chief, Joe Hands, we're going to attempt to take you on a journey and talk to as many chiefs across as many industries as we can to give you an insight into A, what makes them tick, and B, what makes their enterprises thrive, and more importantly, what they've learned along the way. The Chiefs. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of The Chiefs, uh, and it's afternoon for you, George, morning for me, but I've got the privilege this morning of having George Lee, who's from Vendasta. Welcome, George. James, good to see you again. Excited to be on your show. I wish I was in Melbourne where it's warm. I'm in the middle of Canada where it's cold right now. In fact, we're probably as cold on the the side of Celsius as you are warm on the side of Celsius. So, You're right. We're in the middle of summer right now and we're sort of having a good run even with COVID. Fingers crossed and we send uh, all, you know, all of those good thoughts to you guys. But so happy to have you on the show. We're so many years watching you and, and the business really drive to great success. So really excited to share today with some of our uh, audience some of the learnings that you've had and how you're helping others uh, achieve growth but you'll give a, a better sense of Vendasta than I will but Vendasta provides end-to-end uh, commerce platforms to companies who sell digital products and services to small businesses and today I'd really love to focus in on you know COVID saw obviously that that initial shutdown of small business and you know everyone's sort of trying to take care of their staff and make sure they're okay get them home but now, kind of a year on, we're seeing small business really need to get on with the business of transforming their thinking and their operation. And a lot of that really is uh, underpinned by the digital uh, platform and organisations like yours and how they help. So I would really love to tap into that. But before we go there, tell us a little bit about George. What's your story? <laughs> well, James, you know, I'm very privileged to be involved in in uh, with Vendasa Technologies as chief customer officer. And I've known our uh, CEO, Brendan King, for well over 30 years. I my background is in the media business. I was in the radio and newspaper business. And, you know, I, I'm a lifelong entrepreneur as well. I believe that an effective media rep, you know, back in the day, you had to treat it like it was your own business and it served me well through that career. And then I owned some businesses. And then Mr. King came calling and introduced me to the technology business. So, you know, at that time, nine, nine years ago, I was the first salesperson at Vendasta. We were about 20 people and we just passed 500 people. And there's over 205 people on the customer facing side of our organization and, and we're continuing to grow that. So it's been a hell of a ride and we're nowhere near done yet. And, you know, COVID has really accelerated what has always been our vision as an organization. And that is to help the resellers that serve those businesses, the end user customers, SMEs, SMBs, whatever you want to call them, local business people. They, they usually turn to a trusted provider. They, they turn to a media company or they turn to an agency or they turn to their telecommunications company to help them solve problems. And, you know, our mission as an organization is to be the platform that helps those groups facilitate that sale and, and super serve that customer. And it came from the early days, you know, in 2012, when I joined the company, we were selling to media companies in the United States and specifically in the yellow page newspaper publishing sector where they had challenges because you know you you were in that business for quite some time selling boxes on paper and yeah. i sold against you folks <laughs> in the radio business you sold well too well i was always irritated because you got more budget than i used to get from the customer but it was interesting when we were working with those first media companies 
we, we identified very quickly that they did have a product problem. They needed to bring digital products to market, but you know, you weren't going to be able to use Quark Express and Photoshop and, uh, you know, whether it was Marketron or Wide Orbit on the broadcast traffic side, like the, the legacy systems they were using to deliver the, the product that they were delivering to their clients didn't meet the needs of what digital was going to, to do and, and uh, where that hole was going to be. So we went to fill that hole. We continued to, to build products and services for businesses, and we always use a channel partner network to access those businesses. So there's over 4.5 million businesses on our platform and about 50 countries now, and, and we're well over 40,000 channel partners that facilitate that sale. But in, in those early days, I remember going on some four-legged calls with media reps and working with those first media companies. And it was kind of like looking in the mirror a lot of times because it was a salesperson that had been doing it a long time. I thank God that I was always an early adopter of technology because <laughs> it, it didn't scare me as much as some folks that I worked with. But I, I saw people that were like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I know to do one thing. And now you're asking me to do 60 things and, and asking me to do it without even a training program. It really, there was a massive challenge there. And that was 2014 when we made a, a pivot to put half of our R&D resources into building out the platform. And then we arrive at a place where we couldn't build everything and we had to start partnering with best in breed solutions. So we built a marketplace to bring other products and services to market and, and then went end to end here in the last 12 months, which essentially what that means is allowing the channel partner to facilitate an e-commerce sale to their end businesses and then offering e-commerce to the end businesses, which, you know, we always had those solutions, but we really accelerated that to make it easier than ever for that business to to get online and start conducting business online. I don't just mean a shopping cart. I mean, book an appointment, you know, have a virtual showroom, you know, the whole gamut of, of what okay. e-commerce might mean. So that that's where we've arrived. I don't apologize about being a salesperson. I've never had business development or anything like that on my card because I, I really believe that sales is the, is the glue that keeps all these engines running. And, and what sales really means is, you know, it's not the used car uh, analogy, and I'm sorry for used car folks who might be listening to this, but <laughs> you guys get a bad rap. Uh, it, it really is helping the customer. And if you really have that lens of helping customers, so, uh, you know, I, I'm passionate about helping salespeople to be better salespeople and, and to serve that customer. So that's a little bit about me. I love your whole analogy around the salesperson, the transformation. I want to tap that uh, level of thinking into COVID hits last year, something nobody Nobody could have planned. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, you've got businesses who pivot, they go, you know, look after their folk, get home and what have you. But for SMBs in particular, you know, uh, businesses, many of them that probably hadn't completed that total digital transformation, you know, fancy word and what have you, uh, that probably got put on the back burner initially because they thought, well, we've just got to bunker in and survive. But I think the reality of COVID has probably opened the can and there's an opportunity now. It's really a time for for actually driving forward on the growth trajectory from a digital transformation. Tell me what you guys have seen there, because I think there's there's a lot of big, small businesses that are that are out there going, geez, I, I, I need to do it, but how do I actually go about it now? How do I actually start this journey? Yeah, I, it is a digital transformation for the business, but the way that I like to look at it is it's a transformation digitally in how we serve the customer. So what is the customer experience? How are we digitally going to, to give them the experience that they need in order to conduct business with our organization. And you're right, it is across the gamut. And I remember in those early days of March where we all were locked down and, and we started to look at the numbers. And when you, when you look at it, 4 million some odd businesses, we can see what's going on there. And, and we started to hear from the, 
folks serving restaurants and serving hospitality space and serving auto, all of them were a little concerned about what might happen. And then when we got through that first two month lockdown and and the curve was flattened and people started to go back to work, there was a genuine interest in how are we going to articulate how we're open? Because it wasn't that we just got to open back up. We were open with limited capacity. And then there was a buying uh, community that was we're like, we don't care. We're not leaving the house. <laughs> or if we're leaving the house, it's one of us that's going to go and we're going to want curbside pickup. I remember I see a bike behind you there. I bought a bike and I didn't even enter the bike shop. I bought it online and I went into the parking lot and they brought it out. Everybody was masked up and they put it in the back of my SUV. And I don't see that changing. Also, wouldn't it have been great if they would have just dropped it off in my driveway and I didn't have to drive across town. So I think that we saw the businesses that really were challenged. It makes sense. Restaurants, anybody that was touching people, you know, like med spa, massage, all that stuff, they really struggled. And now when they, when they came back, though, they were, we're going to figure this out. And our organization had been working with channel partners that had been preaching the gospel of you need to digitally transform. And it just was accelerated by that forcing function. And so, you know, we were in a position where we could make that happen. Thank goodness. We moved everybody to remote. We started to prioritize the things that we knew people were going to need. And we accelerated those, put some other stuff on the roadmap on the back burner. We built out remote learning so that our channel partners could learn about the new features that we have. Something we all wanted to do for a long time, but we just purposely went after that. We built out the ability to give the business some tools that they could use because we knew that, you know, cash flow was going to be tight. So why don't we help them? And then when we come out of this thing, then we can ask for a spend when they're able to spend. And that turned out to be a pretty good move. And then finally, what are the things that you need to do business remote? And, you know, you and I probably take that for granted because we do this all day long and have been doing it for quite some time. But for the local plumber, HVAC, mechanical business, you know, they, they thought Zoom was what the noise you made when the vehicle went fast. Like it, it wasn't something that they were used to. And then there's a whole protocol around it. You know, how do you do it? And we still coach on that to this day. In fact, I just recorded an episode of my podcast around 10 tips on how to do these things a little bit better, mostly because I've made a lot of the mistakes that the tips align to. So, you know, we saw those three components. Could I learn online? Because I got time sitting at home doing nothing. Number two, could I conduct remote work? And then finally, e-commerce as the, the star of the show and making it easier and easier for businesses to get to that point where they conduct, conduct business online. What, what I've always loved about your vision and you live it all the way up and down. Brendan certainly uh, talks exactly the same way that you do in terms of the vision that it's more than reshaping. I mean, you and I came from the industry. Yes, I was in the yellow pages and I feel, I feel bad now that I didn't know 20 years ago you were selling against me because I might have used some different tactics, but, <laughs> but that's okay. We can, uh, we can play together now. We're friends. <laughs> but, but if you think about it, that era was all about selling ads, right? Whether you were selling radio and your business is actually not about ads. It's actually, you're, you're really helping organizations reshape their entire business model from a customer perspective. You know, what does the competitor landscape look like? Because if I don't go and pivot my business, someone else will in my industry. And then guess what? I'm out of business from a procurement and supply chain perspective. I mean, you spoke about, I loved your analogy. Yes, I have got one too many bikes. Next time speak to me, George, and I'll send you one myself. I'll box it up (laughs) and send it across. But from a procurement and supply chain, I mean, how do you actually help that business? Well, you actually made the purchase, but you need to have, you need to go there with your SUV. The next step beyond that, you guys are helping them with the tools on that supply chain. So how do how do they automate that process? How do you know through the partners and reduce risk? Should COVID 
go on another year or just for better business for their customers and then hold back of office. So I've always loved that you've got this total business model point of view. And, uh, and I think it's a real credit to you in an industry where we all came out of selling ads and it was all about, okay, so what are these guys doing? Are they selling a website? Are they selling a, you know, it's not about that. It's about that total. Have you got an example or can you give me some examples of, uh, of businesses that you think have executed on the partnership with guys like you really well and how they went about it. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. A couple of a couple of pieces on this. The first around that whole experience. I found in the latter years of my of my media career when I actually figured out what the hell I was doing, the the clients that I was able to build rapport with were starting to phone and ask me questions about things that I wasn't selling. They were asking me questions about, oh, I'm talking to this rep over here and they're telling me this. What do you think I should do? So you build that level of trust with the customer. And then what do you do with it? And we had one thing that we sold in the radio business. It was spots and remotes. Like th- those are the two things that you sold. And, but yet I'm getting asked questions as to, do I need to run a full page in the newspaper? Well, I knew the answer to that. Don't run a full page, run a half page and give me more budget and you can get more reach. <laughs> so, but it was all still around ads. You know, digital transformation of an organization is a hell of a lot more than an ad. And then the other thing that we should recognize and and all of us in the media business live this pain. Ads are episodic. They are essentially, and Roy Williams says this in his book, Wizard of Ads, they're business morphine. So a business will say, boy, I got to run some ads. I need some sales. Or boy, I got to run some ads. I have excess inventory. Or boy, I have to run some ads because you know nobody's coming into my shop. Well, maybe there's a fundamental reason why people aren't coming into your shop. And ads, you're discounting something in the ad offer to get them through the door. But what else is going on in there? And as digital started to become more prevalent, it was, I'm not listed properly. And then it was, people don't trust you because all I can see on your site is negative reviews because you do a bad job of serving the customer. And then technology became democratized where you can put G Suite in place for the customer. It's not hard to do. And if I'm selling an e-commerce enabled website, wouldn't it be great to have all the emails to have the domain and have it all tied together? So we find more and more businesses are leaning on that trusted expert. And because there's the ability to have more solutions because technology is democratized, then why can't I offer that as the trusted expert and almost become a general contractor where I come in and say, listen, I have your best interests at heart. I've been working with you for a a number of years. I've found another supplier that can help solve another problem. And I'm going to make a cut on it because I'm the one quarterbacking the whole thing. And I just had this happen with a friend of mine. He opened a restaurant during COVID. So, you know, he's amazing because I don't know if I would be doing that. But, you know, he's a lifelong restaurateur. He's well-heeled. I was in that industry for a while. My wife would kill me if I started another restaurant. So I, I get to experience it through my friend, Bill. But I remember as we started to build out the plan to launch this restaurant, I was the trusted advisor, just doing it as a friend, but I was bringing in best of breed providers. And I remember he phoned me one day and he said, yeah, the cable company was just here. What do you think I should do for my, my connectivity package? And I'm like, okay, I'm a marketing person. I'm not a cable, you know, I don't do connectivity. And he goes, well, I'm going to send the package over to you and you have a look at it. And lo and behold, the cable company was trying to sell an ad campaign inside because they have all the unique identifiers on the mobile devices and bill doesn't know he doesn't know what he doesn't know and he's turning to some trusted advisor that even if i don't know i'll tell him i don't know but i'll maybe do some research to help him and that they're looking for someone that they can trust to help them navigate this space and i think that you know that's what we're trying to solve and it's a big hairy audacious goal and we're moving down the road i give brendan a lot of credit our ceo because he 
always seems to be a couple years right. ahead of the game on, on the vision. But what we're really starting to see it with our channel partners. So when you ask the question of who's done this really well, it is, it's boutique agencies that are able to be super agile and they don't need hundreds of customers. They are not horizontally situated. They're niche situated where they've got a group of clients, whether it's a vertical that they're experts in or a group of clients they got a great relationship with. And they're just layering on other solutions that solve the problem. And I, those are the organizations that I think are going to do well moving forward because back in the day, if I wanted to leave the radio station and start my own thing, really hard to start a radio station, right? It's expensive. Yeah, exactly you've right. got to have, you've got to have regulatory approval. But if I want to start a digital marketing organization, or I want to start a managed service provider organization, I just find a company and sign up for the platform. And I'm doing the exact same thing as the enterprise company. And that's what we're facing right now is there's all this tech out there. How do we bring it all together and provide it to the customer? I think at the end of the day, there's a trusted advisor in the middle of that to make it all make sense. George, I, I love that you've referenced this back to the trusted advisor. It's funny, I was talking a couple of weeks before Christmas to one of your channel partners in the States, and, and what they were describing to me was that COVID forced them to rethink their business model from being a digital agency as such or a digital marketing services platform business to almost an anything as a service uh, transformation organisation. And, and in listening to you, you know, probably the epiphany for me in, in, in that conversation back prior to Christmas was that's so true. So what they've done really well in that context, and obviously it's something that you're driving with all of your partners, is these guys are the trusted advisors of the businesses that they serve. Yes, you know, we used to be trusted advisors in terms of selling the ads that we sold, and these guys, you know, were building the websites and building, but it's more than that now. It's actually about, they're actually talking about through platforms such as yours, they're helping their customers rapidly automate, right? I mean, you know, digital transformation used to be a luxury for small business. I'd say, well, we'll get it. But it's not a luxury. You need it just to survive and to have a future growth strategy. He was talking about how all of a sudden all businesses proved, those that are still going, that they could be agile, but you need to sort of think agile through those. So I, I love the role that you've uh, put on a pedestal, which is that trusted advisor, and you, you, you kind of really reinforce in making them the champions of the, the businesses that they serve. So shout out to you guys. Uh, I, I think it's absolutely amazing. Now, I promised George that I would only go for about 20 minutes and we've probably been going for about 30. He's got an appointment with his wife that he doesn't get to. So sorry, darling, we're going to be late, but I've got a couple <laughs> more, more more questions for you. What do you love most, George, about what you do? Because, you know, what I've travelled quite a bit to different events and places throughout the world and you've been there and you are always so full of energy and I'm like, man, I wish I had some of that energy. Maybe my wife wishes I had some of your energy. But anyway, <laughs> tell me tell me what you love about what you do. Well, you know, it, it really comes down to the people. And I remember throughout my career, I tried to convince myself that I wasn't a salesperson and I, that I was, you know, something else. And, you know, lo and behold, I'm a salesperson. You look up dictionaries, probably picture me under salesperson, and I'm fine with it. And I now see it in a different light. And the other thing that, that has happened is we get gray in our hair and we get a little bit older, the ability to, to mentor either, you know, younger individuals or even mentor folks that are our age that just haven't adopted new things and show them that they can win in new environments. I find that to be an amazing journey. And then the other thing is, is we're, you know, we are doing something in the middle of Canada with our technology company. You know, our city's 300,000 people. We're in the middle of the bald ass prairie. 
And here's this tech company that has rose out of the prairies and proving that, you know, you can be a a global technological player anywhere. And I think that that's a hell of a story. You don't need to be in the Valley. You don't need to be in Melbourne. You don't need to be in Berlin. You don't need to be in London. You can be in Wichita, Kansas, or you can be in, and I've been to some of your beautiful, uh, your cities that, that are not Sydney and Brisbane. And, you know, I've been to the, you know, the Gold Coast is amazing, but I've been to Ballarat and, uh, you know, to, to know that in communities like that, the technology could rise and become an employer. You know, I've had to make payroll throughout my career. And uh, Brenda and I always chuckle sometimes when we think about the two-week payroll that we have, but it, you know, here we are, and it's a hell of a ride. And to meet folks like you all over the world that have the same struggles and are trying to serve those local businesses, and I, there's nothing good about COVID, but I will tell you one thing. I think we all look at the local businesses in our community with a little more respect because being an entrepreneur is hard, high failure rate. But that is what's fueling the economy. That's what's paying for the soccer teams or the football teams or footy. That's what's uh, supporting the bike clubs or, you know, whatever it might be are those local businesses. And we have that consumption economy. So the thing that I really get jazzed up to come to work every day is to do something that is super cool. And I never thought that I would be in this position, but also to take those skills over the years and, you know, the, the whole idea of, okay, what's your degree? Well, I have a PhD in the school of hard knocks. And to take those skills that you learned where you got punched in the face more times than you won and take those lessons and move them forward and say, we can actually make this thing work. It's a pretty fun to do that on a day-to-day basis. You know what I love around that? I mean, you guys are such champions, uh, you know, I know it's conquer local and all the rest of it, but you really are the champions of small businesses and everything that you do. And I love that. That's dead center in, in terms of the values. What I love is there's never been probably a better time. If we were designing this world all over again or the way that we work, all over again, you probably wouldn't have designed it the way that we had it pre-COVID, let's be honest, right? Mm-hmm. Long commutes into work, long commutes home, you know, not much time with the people that we love, everything kind of the wrong way around. One thing if COVID has given the world an opportunity, and it's thanks also to organisations like that, if you were to resign, design a better world that we've got the opportunity to do now, I mean, the dude in Ballarat could serve customers in, in Wisconsin on the basis that they've actually got you know, the simple platforms and technologies that organisations like yours provide. So I actually think, you know, that there will be a silver lining on the, on the back of that. And, you know, the Robin Hoods like you guys that are helping them get there, you know, big shout out to you guys. I think absolutely amazing. All right, last two questions. You're an amazing entrepreneur, right? I love the fact that you love your salesperson because I'm the same as you. I was forever in, in denial in the last 10 years. I thought I, I love it myself. What would, What advice would you give to young George, you know, just starting out his entrepreneurial journey what advice now looking back would you give yourself to a no, I, I love this question i get it asked a lot and it uh makes me want to pour a bourbon you know i i would have paid a lot more attention to to people that that had been there done that and i actually would have really sought out a mentor and i wish that i would have backed off a little bit from thinking that i had it all figured out because i didn't have a clue and i went through an enormous amount of trial and error rather than finding somebody that could help shepherd that forward. And, you know, I did have a couple of folks that stepped forward and, and I remember them very, very clearly that they, they made an impact, but I didn't really purposely go out looking for that. And I find that we now live in a society where constant learning is a thing and the majority of folks get it. So, so now people are actually looking for that information and they're looking for ways, show me how you did that. And, and they're, they're okay with asking it. 
So I think that, you know, a lot less pride, a lot less chip on the shoulder. The good news is, James, I do have salespeople that enter into our organization that I work with that, uh, that p- give me some payback over the things that I did for my sales managers when I was younger. So, uh, but no, it, it really would be to, 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 you know, seek to understand a little bit more, a little less chip on the shoulder and, and, uh, really embrace constant learning and find a mentor or eight that could, that could really help shepherd you forward. I love that advice. My, my dad, who obviously a big inspiration to me, uh, when I was young and up and coming, would always say to me, go and find someone or go and find people who are better than you and learn what they do. And I used to look at him and go, what are you talking about? I've, I've studied, I've got it all sorted, right? But it's uh, such, such a uh, uh, wise advice. All right, George, always fabulous. One word that describes you. I would have given you two silver fox, but that's mine. So one word for you. Well, it's it's two words. It's Iron Man. <laughs> and not because I'm a billionaire and not because I'm a playboy and not because I'm a genius, but it's the two titanium hips that I have. And, I uh, you know, I spent a lot of my, uh, spent a lot of my life with a, a weight challenge. And uh, that didn't serve me quite well. So for some people, I have a real hard time believing that I was 360 some odd pounds. So no uh, my hips were in pretty rough shape and uh, I had them replaced here about uh, four years ago. And it, it definitely was a, a life-changing experience for me. And so, yeah, that those two words are Iron Man. And maybe one day I'll do an Iron Man. I wouldn't mind doing that. I think I'm getting to a point physically that I might be able to do that. But I, I try to be the first person in the building and one of the last to leave and, and you know, lead by example. So part of that uh that's yeah it's, so that's it iron man i love it iron man's a, a beauty and i'll tell you what we're gonna have a conversation around titanium versus carbon at some point i've got carbon in my body so there you go okay. there's, there's another conversation george lee you are amazing thank you so much for your time congratulations on the amazing work that you, yourself and brendan and the team are doing at vendasta absolutely changing opportunities for small business and good on you for being their champions. James, thanks for the kind words and really appreciate the invite to be on your show and hello to all your listeners. It's been great being here.